This week, Colin throws his dog himself and dictionaries under the bus. This um, segment of throwing shade. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, like. I know I have this one plant and I don't actually know what it is because I've never seen it flower. You know what one of the favorite things for the worms to eat is? I don't think it would have propagated as because they have, what are those little little dangly bits? Uh, the node. Oh, node. <laughs> Do you have like a, like a special Colin recipe? Catherine would gather the rainwater and she would use that to water her houseplants. Welcome back to the Helpful Gardeners podcast. This week, we're taking things indoors and we're chatting a bit about houseplants because it's spring and we kind of forget about our houseplants a little bit right now. Absolutely guilty of it. The houseplants, they've made it through the winter and right now it's, oh, the sun is shining. Oh, what's happening outside? Jenny and I went for a walk the other day. It took us probably 20 minutes longer because we kept stopping and looking at uh, trees and looking at bare patches of the soil. And I'm like, I know full well it's still too early for anything to be happening, Yeah, but I can't help myself. Oh, totally. I think right now I spend more time outside yep. than inside my home, which is like complete 180. Yep. All you want to do is be outside. The, the other day it was three degrees and I had a window and a door open. Yeah. Oh. Could you imagine three degrees yep. in uh, the autumn? You're freezing. You've got a you've got a yeah. winter coat on. At this time of year, you're in t-shirts. Like, oh, it's beautiful. It's a, <laughs> it's a brisk north wind. <laughs> but this is going to serve as a timely reminder for me. I, I've talked about it before. I think I even talked about it when we when we were talking about houseplants earlier. I've got a couple that have been heavily neglected. Yeah, same. And I'm just kind of like. Hang in there, guys. <laughs> yeah, you know we're getting we're getting to the busy part. We're 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 getting into uh, webinar season, mm-hmm. spring in a garden center. Yeah, now is the time for me to take that weekend, to take that morning, and you know really go over all of my houseplants. Absolutely, and a great idea for our listeners as well because they're going to be starting to make those garden plans and heading outside and prepping their garden. And so, yeah, you're right. Let's take that time now. Take a look, take inventory of all your house yep. plants and, and take a little observation. How are they doing? How's their health? What other things do we yep. have to watch out for? If you need another one. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can be guilty of that because they all get clustered together. And I think I mentioned this and I'll talk, I'll talk more about this or, or we will uh, because I, it's getting to the time where I'm going to move them all. Oh, yeah. Because I've got them all clustered under grow lights and whatnot. And it's getting to the time where they're going to go back to their, their spring, summer and autumn home. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, it always looks empty. Yeah. I'm always like, oh, that area isn't full anymore. And then I walk downstairs and I'm like, ooh, hello. Hello, jungle. Yeah. <laughs> and a couple of plants make it home and uh, they just kind of seamlessly blend in. Mm-hmm. And away we go. So it is that time to take inventory, you know, look and, and see what's happening. Because like I've just said, I, I cluster mine together uh, so they're under grow lights and, and keeping them alive and, and whatnot. I'll pull them out and there'll be some that really aren't doing good. It's happened before where it's so dense and I water them and I haven't watered them properly mm-hmm. and I've missed or maybe I've overwatered because I didn't check the soil and I'm like, oops. Yeah. Uh, on you go. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got my important ones, uh, ones that either uh, mean a lot to me or I've had them a long time or, you know, my, my eight-foot ficus, my um, five-foot fiddle leaf. Ones like that, I'm, I, I, they stand by themselves. They have a permanent spot. They don't get moved. But all of my other little ones, pothos, spider plants, the palms, 
they all just get bounced around wherever. And yeah, sometimes I take a casualty hit. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think most people will do the moving of the houseplants and seasonally adapt. It was interesting on our Instagram, we did a poll yeah. and it said, do you seasonally adapt? And yeah, absolutely. 60% of people said that they do. But surprisingly, you know, 17 people said or 17% said, no, they're fine. And then 23% didn't even know. Okay. I don't know if that's just like up in Canada, we have very distinct seasons. And maybe if yep. you're from the States, you don't really have to do it that much. Yeah. Where, where you get further down South, where you do get longer days, you, you may not need to. It could also be that maybe you don't have a ton of them. You, you don't have drafty windows. The way they're set up, they're set up for year round. And I think some people resign themselves, for want of a better word, that during the winter, their plants just have to struggle. I've seen memes where where people are like, you know, uh, uh, talking about how their plants have made it through another winter. And I'm like, my, my plants don't thrive in the winter. They they don't, but they, they're they not dying on me. Mm-hmm. Like I said, yeah, if I've, if I've messed up and overwatered, underwatered, there might be some that are suffering, but it's not because of light or cold. So I think it's one of those things, it doesn't occur to people. Mm-mm. You know, they have that plant, they go, oh, this is what happens. And they go, well, my plants just suffer. Does the struggle make them stronger? <laughs> I feel like we're going to turn this into like a life lesson, like adversity makes them stronger, but it does. Kelly Clarkson song, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Pretty much. It, it, <laughs> and you know what? It's true though. It's people, for example, if you have people that have uh, been protected their whole life and been looked after and blah, blah, blah. The moment they face adversity, they don't have the the tools in the toolbox to handle it. So absolutely allowing your plants to uh, have some adversity. It's outdoor plants. For the first two weeks, you're watering them every day. Then you want to taper off to every other day, every third day. After two weeks of that, water them as needed. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about fruits or uh, vegetables. They, they You don't want them to wilt. You, they're a production, so you, you have to keep them watered. I'm talking about ornamentals, trees and perennials. Let them wilt because when they're in wilt, it means that they have completely depleted any natural water source they've got. Those roots have gone. They've locked. They've used what's in their cell wall. They've used all of their reserves and you give them a drink. They perk up, but now they know we have to look and the root system develops. So if you have a tree and you overwater it, every day you're out watering your tree, every single day, those roots are never going to go deep because they don't have to. But if you don't and you let it kind of struggle, the roots go deep. And I absolutely push my house plants from time to time. Mm -hmm. I think I said last time I put, when I got stuck in the elevator. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'd pushed my houseplants like 10 days without water. And then I got stuck. (laughs) And then they got watered the next day. (laughs) Yeah. So absolutely, it doesn't hurt to give your plant a bit of adversity. But the difference is knowing what you can do to make your plant stronger through adversity versus just weakening it. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a a very drafty uh, window, a very cold window, and you have a succulent on there, you're not going to make it stronger. No. You run the risk of losing your succulent. A little bit of adversity, sure. A little bit of pushing them on water, uh, a little bit of under-fertilizing. It's it's not going to hurt. A plant is never going to get healthier if you starve it of light. Mm-hmm. It needs that to live. So if you're like, ah, oh, I'll make it tougher, no light for five days, you're not going to have a great plant. No, <laughs> yeah. that sounds like a very bad punishment. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, you're on timeout. <laughs> that didn't work at all. <laughs> 
But no, that's, uh, you know, I move my plants. I, uh, I make sure that where I'm moving them to is, is good enough for them to, uh, to make it through the winter. And your plant doesn't need to suffer. You don't need to be coming to this time of year and being like so thankful that you didn't lose any house plants. Yeah. Uh, if, if you move them, if you adjust your watering schedule, adjust your fertilizer, invest in a light, do all of the little things you need to do. Because another thing that can happen as well when they're clustered together especially where where we work it's different for people because they're not what we just said you're not outside right it's in the winter but where we work it's not hard for me to go home with a spider mite on me yeah and all my plants are clustered together those spider mites they can travel fast Mm -hmm. and quick so keeping an eye on them and and basically ensuring they get through the winter in the best possible way I definitely recommend it. Yeah, it's probably a good idea before you move them to do those checks if yep. you've developed any um, diseases or bugs that yep. have come in on a draft or because if you you said at the beginning, sometimes you like to have your door open this time of year. And I mean, that's an easy way for, for bugs that are coming out of hibernation to just pop in, come in through a neighbor's window. Some people put their plants outside. Yeah. When I had uh, when I had the orange tree mm-hmm. in the summer, that went outside. Yeah. And it loved it. The The bees loved it. The, the one thing I didn't like about that is putting it outside. We missed the fragrance from the uh, the blossoms, mm-hmm. the orange blossoms. Yeah. Uh, and then Jimmy killed it. What? So, yeah, Jimmy killed my orange tree. <sighs> yeah, I'm going to throw Jimmy that under the bus. Doggo. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a good job. He's cute. That's why Mother Nature made puppies cute. I su- <laughs> if puppies were like surly, ugly things, it wouldn't matter how well we could domesticate them. You're like, you just ate my favorite plant. <laughs> Instead, you're looking and he's cocking his head and he's smiling. He's like, all right, you're forgiven. On we go. But yeah, when I brought in my orange tree, I would absolutely give it a going over. And if I wasn't yeah. sure, I would spray it down with a uh, insecticidal soap and just get in there and be like, you know what? It's been outside, especially one place we, we got. It was when we released all the ladybirds and whatnot. And we had uh, a ton of aphids uh, and the orange tree was outside. So when I brought it in, I was like, nah, you know what? I'll give it a spray. I'll spray it with some Andol, make sure it's taken care of. And it thrived. It lived for many years until we got a puppy. Yeah. And, and that's the thing as well, though, is that I also do one of these days in the autumn. Yeah. So right now I know exactly where all my plants are. I could, I could pretty much tell you from memory, but I'm about to transplant a whole lot of them. And that'll mean uh, getting some different cover pots, moving things around, seeing what we've got. I'll probably pick up a couple more. In the autumn, I can't just assume that they're all going to go back to the places that they were now. Right. Bigger pot may not fit. Exactly. Different plants, different light cycles. So I may have to adjust. I also look in the autumn and go, okay, what do they need? And so I've got at least two. There's probably, if if I'm honest, five or six that are going to need to be transplanted. But now they're about to actively grow. So in the autumn, I... oh. I got to transplant all of these ones now. So houseplants don't need a lot. They're they're relatively easy to care for. There are some that, you know, are are much stricter. But for the most part, they kind of like to be left alone. Mm -hmm. If if you can invest a couple of days uh, and that when I move my uh, houseplants in um, end of October, say, they don't move again until around this time of year. Mm -hmm. 
Um, they, they That's their home for the whole winter. So I'm not moving them around constantly. I set them up. Uh, and away we go. I think we talked about it in an earlier episode about how some plants you don't want to move, like yep. the fiddle leaf fig. If you move that one, it can be quite yep. temperamental. So if you had like a small fiddle leaf fig, would you still move it or would you just be like, nope? If I was going to buy a fiddle leaf fig now, I would plan where it would go and that would be its permanent home. Only time I would move it would be to transplant it. So if I was bringing in a plant like that, a temperamental one, Rather than move it, I would make sure it was okay for the year. And the one uh, we have now, the spot it's in is not okay year round. So it's under a grow light and it's under a grow light year round. Mm -hmm. It looks so good. It's in a shady corner and you know how they've got the big leaves and the deep green. It goes so well with the wood and the, I just, I love the way that corner looks. And I've got a pothos draped over it and I just got a lamp, put a grow bulb in it and it is, it is happy. It is every month puts out another new leaf and it's it's got leaves because it did shed leaves it has new leaves coming out the bottom oh they come out the bottom yeah like on the uh, sorry on the bottom of the stem it's not sending up new stems Mm -hmm. but it's starting to leaf out because it did drop its leaves off the bottom because it did go into shock because we did have to move it a couple of times now it's established i don't think it's been moved now in close to two years wow and i haven't had to transplant it yeah so leave well enough alone and it is thriving but if I was doing that, if I was bringing in a, uh, a specialty plant, a feature plant, if I was a Victorian and I was bringing in a plant to put in my parlor, <laughs> if I was renting a plant, <laughs> if I was doing that, then yeah, I would absolutely build the conditions. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to Nick and Nick has an olive tree, but he's worried that he doesn't have enough light. Yeah. And he's like, I, obviously I want my olive tree to grow, but I don't think I have enough light. And I'm like, okay, you got to install grow lights. Mm-hmm. There's no point getting it to be moving it around and watching it struggle and watching it suffer. Build something, get a grow light. If I, I actually set my grow lights up pretty good, but for me, it's all about the plant health. Every single light now in my living room. Yes, I changed my last one two weeks ago. Every single light in my living room now is a grow light. Ooh, I kind of like that. There isn't one light bulb that isn't a grow light. We have... LEDs, halogens, and just a uh, a 26-watt screw in. Yeah. But every single light bulb is a grow light. Are you hoping that you can just bring all your plants up and not have to move them? Is that the end goal? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I figure if I'm changing a bulb, why not put in a grow bulb? I've got the plants anyway. Yeah. Plus, it's full spectrum for me. Mm-hmm. So in the winter when it's dark and it's gloomy and the, the sun is down at four o'clock in the afternoon, hey, I got daylight and I got plants to look at. Yeah. So it it does work for me, but you know, now is the time where there is going to be enough natural sunlight. I'm not going to have the 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 lights on uh, because there is enough light happening. But, you know, transplanting. Touch on that because we were talking about that. Big topic. Yeah. I think people people are intimidated to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's one of those things where it's one of those jobs that looks intimidating and then once you've done it once you're like that's not hard. Well, and why do you choose the spring and the fall to do transplanting? Is there a reason? Summertime, I'm normally too busy in my garden and uh, I've okay. got a whole bunch of stuff going on. And in the winter, I would have time. Absolutely. But I keep all of my big soils outside. Mm. So they're frozen. And I did it one winter and I brought in a bag of soil. I was like, oh, I'm going to do some work on the plants. And it's a cold winter weekend. I brought in the soil on the Friday. Uh, The bag still hadn't properly thawed by the Sunday and the unholy mud 
I had on the floor because all of the dry soil, well, now all the humidity was coming out and it was all running off wow. at the base. And it was a massive mess. This time of year, I can put a bag in the sun. It's thawed in a few days. I can bring it inside and away we go. So it's not that you need the spring or the fall to repot. It's just that was what was convenient for yep. you. No, you can you can repot your houseplants anytime. If those, those ones that have been suffering, I absolutely could have died. The two spider plants, I could have picked up a bag of soil from here. I'm pretty sure I got four bags of soil in my office. Yeah. I could very easily have done it, but I'm like, nah, I'm going to do a house plant day. You'll live to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's <laughs> literally just like, I've already committed a day. Yeah, even with the ones that are like, say, for example, for your orange tree, if your orange tree was producing fruit, can you transplant it then? Never a good idea to transplant anything in uh, bloom or fruit. Okay. The vast majority of the time, I'm not going to say always because there's there's always exceptions, but uh, the, the rule of thumb is that when you transplant, you get transplant shock. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think I think uh, you put it in uh, stories about uh, the size of the pot. Yes. Okay. I've I've done it with a spider plant, ridiculously hardy, tough plants, and there was one, and it was pretty root bound, kind of kind of like the ones I've got going now. Man, I treat my spider plants bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing Jimmy under the bus, but I'm like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, like your favorite plant, yeah. and it's just so. I've decided to transplant. I've gone to uh, my pot stash yeah, and I don't have a suitable pot. So it's in a four inch. It should go to a six inch. And I'm like, eh, ah, whatever. I've got a 10 inch. And I put it in that and it absolutely goes into shock. It's a spider plant and the leaves all lie yeah. flat. They kind of go that pale yellow. Um, I've actually lost one hundred percent. I've lost it. It wasn't a spider plant. I can't remember what it was now. I lost one. And after seeing that, I'm like, okay, enough's enough. Plant to the correct pot. So what ends up happening is your root ball is constricted. Mm -hmm. You put it in a pot that's too big and that root ball relaxes. Well, the root ball is the is the foundation literally of the plant. It will be like loosening the foundation on your home. Not a good idea. So it's absolutely important that you, you know, you consider that to limit the shock. Yeah. And I've had to, um, gardening, not with my house plants, move plants for whatever reason, renovations or something's happening and the plants have to be moved or they're going to die and they've been in bloom. The vast, vast majority just drop their flowers mm -hmm. because you've disturbed them. You've disturbed their roots. They instantly go into a survival mode. They're like, we don't care about flowers. We need to put all of our energy back into roots and growth so that we can establish again. Mm -hmm. So... That's why it's uh, it, it's important to limit that. So if you if if you have to, if you have no choice, uh, you can. Mm -hmm. However, if your plant is blooming and putting out fruit, it's probably quite happy where it is. Wait until it's finished and then transplant it. And actually, was when we're talking about about uh, transplanting. I think we should maybe spend some time talking about what you need to transplant. You know, you go to the garden center and you grab a plant and it comes in that that grower's pot, right? Yep. I've done this where I've thought, I'm going to repot. And then you get like a cover pot with yep. no drainage in it because you want to dress it up a bit. Then your plant suffers because it has no drainage. So when we're talking about transplanting, one thing that's very yep. important is to grab a pot that has really good drainage. Or can you put like rocks and stuff in the bottom of a pot? In all of my years of doing it, I have never, ever, ever seen an absolute necessity for planting directly in a cover pot. In a cover pot by that, we just mean like one that doesn't have a hole in it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a hard ceramic or a, an ornamental ceramic, a terracotta. Yeah. 
what have you. The, the most times that I've seen it are people who they see a pot they like and the, the, the plastic grower's pot that they put in, they can see the rim yeah. or it doesn't fit properly, but they really desperately want yeah. that cover pot. That's when they'll do it. And you absolutely can. You're not going to kill the plant, but exactly what you said, no drainage. So unless you are very careful with your watering, yeah. you can be in trouble. Putting gravel uh, and whatnot in the bottom, sure that works, but eventually the roots are going to get down mm-hmm. there. Eventually the soil is going to get down there. When you choose to repot it again to a larger size, you can't get the the plant out. Yeah, I mean, you you can. I, I've done it, but it, you're either going to seriously damage the plant or you're breaking your pot. Yeah. There's no give, there's no squeeze. Didn't it, we did that on Gia Kids TV? Didn't I break a pot with a hammer? Yeah. Yeah. But then you've you've spent money on a pot and then exactly. it's just to break it. Yep. And in hindsight, the vast majority of people who do that, I'm talking anecdotally here, uh, people that I've dealt with in the garden center, the vast majority of people who've done that, they haven't had to break it because the plant died. Oh, yeah. They overwatered. The water had nowhere to go. The plant got root rot. It started developing algae and, and mosses and they just basically killed it. You know what? Lesson learned. Hey, you tried. There is another thing you can do because, again, I, I don't want to tell people you can't do anything. You want to plant directly in a cover pot, fill your boots. You can get a uh, ceramic drill bit, put it in any, like a DeWalt drill, cordless drill, and you can drill your own drainage hole. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's still not going to help come transplanting time, but it will keep it alive. Yeah. And then transplanting, the two ways of doing it are... If it's that root bound, you're not going to be able to get it out. The other problem, actually, I'll I'll quickly touch on this, is a lot of cover pots have a weird shape to them. They're wide at the bottom and they're narrow at the top. Oh, I never noticed that. So when the roots expand at the bottom, you can't get them out of the neck of the plant, where a grower's pot is shaped the other way. Yeah. So when you're going to get your roots out, you're really, really... I I just, and I did this deliberately, when we came back from Greece, we had a a really uh, nice bottle of olive oil. And we used it pretty quick because it was delicious. And I took a spider plant baby and I propagated it in there, knowing full well the roots are going to get wide and it's going to grow out the neck. And I will never be able to get it out of that jaw and I'm never going to break that jaw. Wow. So I was like, yeah, I'm literally committing to this and, and I'm just going to see where it goes. And uh, I, I'm, I'm quite happy for that to, to propagate. Normally I propagate in, in just open-mouthed, perfectly cylindrical pots because the roots will never get damaged. You know, we actually did a little thing on our Instagram about, you know, do you propagate? Oh, really? A ton of people do actually, which was cool to see. Um, Yeah. 80% of people say, yeah, I do it. So much fun. But there was still quite a few people who even didn't know what propagation was. So what is it? Uh, Propagation is basically cloning. It's it's, it's starting a, a, a new plant from a living plant by taking a cutting. Yeah. Okay, it might not be the dictionary definition. The dictionary definition's probably got way more boring okay, words in there. Dictionaries are boring. I know, that's it. Like, blah, blah, blah. Here's my dry definition. Okay, whatever, <laughs> Oxford. Yeah. We get it. You're smart. <laughs> now this week we're targeting dictionaries. Yeah. <laughs> This week, Colin throws his dog himself and dictionaries under the bus. This um, segment of throwing shade. Yeah. Oh, I like- Oh, I, <laughs> oh, <no>. that's all. 
Uh, so propagation is just taking a cutting from a plant. And then there's two, there's, well, there's more than two, but there's a few ways of going about it. You can do a water prop, which is literally where you uh, take a spider plant baby, drop it in a glass of water. It puts out roots. Hey, Presto, you got another one. Or you could be super fancy. Have you seen those propagation stations you can get on like Etsy and stuff? Yep. Beautiful. Yep. And, and you can do uh, rock wool. You can grow directly in soil. What is, wait, rock wool? Rock wool is a, it's a medium. They do them with hemp now, all kinds of fibers and fabrics. And basically it's a, um, it's a cube that they're, they're all different sizes, but uh, a lot of the starter ones can be about four inches by four inches and it's already got a hole in the middle. Wow. You stick your plant in that and you water it and it absorbs the water. Do you just like plant directly from that? Yeah. And then you, you can lift it out. You can uh, plant directly in and the roots will just grow through it. Whoa. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, rock wool is heavily used. Rock wool and terra fiber, which is uh, made with hemp. You know they work well because they are used heavily in the cannabis and the uh, tomato industry. So when people are taking clones of those plants, vast majority of the time, that's what they're using to clone them in. And they'll put a rooting uh, clone on the uh, cutoff, put it in that, allow it to water, and the water seeps in and the plant starts rooting. And you're probably going to get the healthiest uh, clones propagations out of that method, more so than soil or water prop. I do water prop because I'm so freaking busy. Mm. I just need to top the glass up when I water the rest of the plants. Do you find it's harder too with the soil because you're not sure if it's dried out or not? Yeah. Soil is is one of the hardest methods I find to to do it. The Really the only ones I do in soil regularly are succulents. And I just mm. stick the leaves in and then I water. I, I've actually got three pots going at home right now. I think I was going to bed. I was shutting everything off and I looked and they were bone dry. I had some water left in my water glass, so a sip for me, a sip for you. Nice. Share with my plant. <laughs> uh, and that was literally how they got watered. But yeah, I find soil works great, but it can be very tricky. Rock wool, terra fiber, incredible. Water prop is, it can take a while. Uh, I've got some things going here. Those pothos are going in a water prop. Mm-hmm. One thing I like about water prop is with kids. Because you can lift the plant out and they can see the roots. Yeah. A lot of kids don't know what the roots look like. They have no idea what to expect. And that way they can touch the roots, they can feel them. And if you're doing it at home with a kid and you use a glass, then they can every day monitor the root growth. Mm -hmm. So I I like water prop because it's convenient for my, uh, for, from, you know, my lifestyle, how busy I am uh, and whatnot. But if you've never tried it, that rock wool and the terra fiber work great. Yeah, you could just get that at your garden center. Oh, speaking of propagation, you're going to have to fill the air for a second. I have a present for you. Okay. Oh, a present? Yeah. Oh, my. <gasps> I love presents. Oh, what is that? Oh, no. You got me a heat mat. You. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? This is awesome. Thank you, Colin. You're welcome. That's so wicked. Oh, yeah. Brotronics, a great, a great local brand. Exactly. <laughs> Shout out to Tracy. Awesome. Oh, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start peppers. Nice. Yeah. I said after we talked about it and you said you hadn't used one uh, and didn't have one. Yeah. I was like, nope. We have to remedy that situation. Oh, yeah. And if you're not familiar with heat mats, definitely recommend going back into our podcast on the If Seeds Are For You. I think that's the one that we talked about it. Or did we talk how to start I think, seeds? I think we talked about it in both. Oh, we did talk about it in both. Yeah. Highly recommend going back and listening yeah. to those episodes because we go quite in depth about, about heat mats and, and, our, um, and how they can really help you with your seed starting adventure. So I'm excited for my seed starting adventure. 
Remember when we did all of the spider plants on uh, GA Kids TV? Yeah. Remember I had them all propagating on a heat mat? Yeah. Because that nice and warm, again, it's like anything. If, if something is healing or growing or doing something, you want to keep it nice and calm and warm and allow it to be stable. Heat mats, they, they, they're a game changer for uh, seed starting and propagation. I, I genuinely, I know, well, I know they are for seed starting. I've never, I've never looked it up for propagation. I genuinely haven't. We'll put it this way. Those pothos, I moved them off the heat mat and they really haven't put out any new roots. Mm -hmm. They've kind of, they've kind of been like, okay, we'll stop here for a bit. They're not going to die. They're healthy. I'm not worried about them. If they were on the heat mat, they absolutely would have put out more growth. Wow. And I think it's really important to also point out that houseplants propagate differently. Like you've got these pothos, these beautiful pothos, but if you had just taken off a leaf, I don't yeah. think it would have propagated as, because they have, what are those little, little dangly bits? Uh, the node. Oh, node. <laughs> <laughs> they are nodes. <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that I understood exactly what you asked. The <laughs> We've worked together for too long, Brad. <laughs> Gesture vaguely and call them dangly bits. I'm like, oh. The nodes. That's <laughs> okay, so what, what's a node? Uh, a node is uh, literally just a joint where if you if you look, I could cut one off. It's basically a new section of growth. It's like kind of the rings on a tree. Mm, yep. So uh, the plant grew, it put out a leaf, then it grew again, and then you'll get a ring where the node is. So what I what I did with pothos, since, since we're talking about those, I found a tip uh, from my pothos wall on, on all three of them. I cut it back, however long that is, about a foot, Busted off a couple of leaves so the leaves weren't under the water, put the stem in water, and away it goes. Now, that would legitimately, uh, just, just to tell you the difference, if I had put those in rock wool or terra fiber, I'm going to talk more about terra fiber because I actually like terra fiber a lot more. Uh, I've used both, and the rock wool was the industry standard for so many years, and now they've got terra fiber. They've got terra fiber uh, sheets that you can use to start microgreens. Oh, so you yep. just lay it out and yep. you just plant them directly on yep. it? What I found worked for me uh, really well. So I, I did a bunch of testing because I, I think I've still got some kicking around my office. I did a sheet, put some on, and then put another sheet on top. They they exploded. Wow. Yeah, because they were protected. They had a structure to grow through. But the, uh, the terra fiber, it's amazing. And it's made with hemp fiber, 100% uh, organic. The company that distributes them for us um, is just down in Black Diamond. So it's a local vendor. So I'm all about that. But if I'd started those pothos in a uh, in terra fiber, they'd already be ready to go into soil. Mm -hmm. Propagating houseplants is a lot of fun. It's a good activity you can do with kids. Uh, you can teach them a lot. You can see a lot. And one of the number one houseplants that uh, people kill are succulents. Yeah. And the vast majority of the time it's overwatering. I was guilty of that for many years. I thought, oh, it's a succulent. It likes water. Again, I'm thinking about outdoor plants. So if you have a uh, begonia, a, a great idea of a succulent plant. Uh, begonias, if they don't get a lot of water, they die. But there's also so much drainage and wind and heat and everything else happening. So in my brain, I was like, well, it's a succulent. needs a lot of water. And I was, I was wiping out succulents at an alarming rate. And I just kept buying them because they're not expensive. And I was like, I'm not going to quit. Then eventually, I did what I advise other people to do. I asked an expert. They set me on the right track, and now I'm rather successful with succulents. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, huh, 
Watering it every other day didn't work. Yeah. Better water it every day. <laughs> every day love. didn't work. Twice yeah. a day. <laughs> so, so I just did a uh, seminar at uh, U of C. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Great, great class. The the Haskane business, they were, they were awesome. A lot of fun. Love their terrariums. I hope all of their terrariums are doing good. I said to message if they had any problems. But as always, when you're planting that, they were like, oh, one of my leaves fell off. And I'm like, great, now you have two succulents. Mm-hmm. Literally take that home, put it in water, put it in soil like I'm doing with mine. It'll start propagating. You'll get roots. And hey, Presto, you got a backup succulent because if you like me and you kill it, hey, you got another one already to go. So when you do have those those roots starting to form, do you just put them in like an all-purpose soil? Yeah, potting soil. Potting, just an all-purpose yep. potting soil. Uh, yes, put them in an all-purpose potting soil. I like to play with my soil. Do you? Okay, yeah, I do. I, I never, at home, at any given time, I've got charcoal, volcanic mineral dust. I have worm castings. I've got insect frass, which is a low uh, fertilizer. It's insect poop, basically. I have got so many, de- perlite, vermiculite. I've got so many amendments. And I love, I, I love propagating spider plants. And then saying, uh, okay, I've got eight of them. They all came off the same mother plant. They all propagated in the same tree. Everything about these guys is the same. And then throwing them all in different mixes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you have like and a like a special call-in recipe? My, uh, my favorite recipe is, actually, I, I, I just transplanted. Didn't have a choice. It was a production plant. I did uh, three parts potting soil. One part charcoal and one part uh, worm castings. Okay. Holy moly. Yeah. Unbelievable. Those seedlings are another one that I transplanted. I've got a bowl uh, sitting next to them with with soil I'm going to do when I transplant them up again. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is so good because none of that is going to burn any roots. It's not going to change anything. There's no fertilizer in there. Worm Worm castings are my favorite amendment. There are gods. If you've never used them before, I recommend getting them. I top dress my house plants with them. Yeah. They're, they're fantastic. It's just a compost, basically, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, it's. We should do that. Uh, Annalita, where we get our worm castings, have invited us to go up and see their entire facility and their worm bins. Oh, lovely! Yeah, and they're just outside of Edmonton. Oh, nice. Yeah, we should totally do that this summer. We should take a a, a week, except for when we're recording the podcast. And we should go visit some of our vendors. Yeah. Yeah, just do a big road trip. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So they have these bins. Do you know what one of the favorite things for the worms to eat is? Okay, wait. I'm going to guess. Cabbage. Cardboard. Oh. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? you were close. When they told me that, uh, they, they were telling me what they put in. They're like, oh, we put in, um, you know, uh, peat moss. And uh, then we put in uh, vegetable clippings. And we put in this. And they're like, and they really love cardboard. And I'm like, okay, back that up for a second. <laughs> Did they do anything with it? Just lay the cardboard in yeah, it? Yeah, they rip it into pieces and it's it's kept moist because the, the worms love it. And they have these bins and the worms just go through and they eat everything. And they're eating all of this rich, rich, you know, organic material and cardboards. And they're breaking it down and they're turning it into an organic soil. But it's just worm poop. And that's literally what worm castings is. It's worm poop. And it is phenomenal. Why do you think that, you know, the worm is one of the gardener's best friends? Yeah. It really is. Worms in your garden. And I'm not talking about, you know, the big night crawlers that do worms, uh, ones that, you know, wreck people's lawns. I'm talking about the regular earthworm. People absolutely love it. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And these worms, they they get this supercharged worm castings. 
and I absolutely love it. And, you know, I've been asked before, mainly in gardens, but it absolutely applies to uh, houseplants. Should I amend my soil or should I fertilize? Mm -hmm. You should do both. Yeah. But if I could only pick one, it would be amending the soil every time. Mm -hmm. if, I, if I had to choose uh, between an incredibly diverse and rich soil blend or just a completely neutral, stagnant soil and fertilizer, every single time I'm going with the soil blend. And I mean, even if you go into our soil department here at Golden Acre, we have African violet soil, orchid mix. What do we else? We have a premium tropical mix. Cactus uh, succulent. Cactus succulent mix. Like they're all- Potting seed starting. Yeah. Moisture control. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, they are amazing. Uh, we also have soils, um, super soil, which is, I'm forever angry at the company that makes super soil. Why? Blue Sky Organics, they're amazing. They've won awards for their uh, innovation. They're based out of Kelowna, I believe. 100% organic. Their products are amazing. And they have this soil and it's called super soil. And it's quite expensive for a bag. And I first saw it and I was like, ah, come on, it's soil. As a buyer and being in the industry, they gave me a sample bag. Oh my God. Oh no. Forget about it. It Worth it. Ridiculous. I have never, ever seen a plant thrive that quickly. And it, they've got basically every ingredient I just listed. And then if you read the back of the bag, don't hold me to this number. There are 14 distinct ingredients in there. Wow. And they have it blended perfectly. Mm -hmm. And it's it's rich. It's black. You water it and the water is just pulled up immediately. Because a lot of times, have you ever done this, Brandy? You've transplanted and then you water your transplant and the soil just sits on the top. Yes. Yeah, the water, sorry, sits on top of the yeah, soil. Yeah, the water, yeah. yeah. The soil is, especially after a winter, in a main aisle, uh, like we have a, a golden acre, where there's no moisture and it's dry. All of that moisture is pulled out. It's, it's, it's basically hydrophobic. And what you have to do, the best thing you can do is, before you plant, mix the soil and spray it and gently dampen it then it can start taking in moisture. But basically, it is so dehydrated, it can't expand right away. Oh, thank you for yeah. saying that. I never, I thought it was just, that's how it goes. Nope. I didn't think that you could remedy yeah, it. No, if, uh, so when, before you transplant, I, I'll be guilty of it where I scoop it out and I put my plant in, I go, oh, I forgot to do it. But if you take a, uh, a large stainless steel bowl, you know you need enough for a six inch pot, dump it in there, give it a couple of spritzes. You don't want to turn it into mud, but just get it damp. And then just mix it with your hand and you'll feel it start to stick to your hands. Now you've got a good soil to plant in. Mm -hmm. So they first give me super soil. And I was like, okay, I'm not doing it. I am planting directly. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not adding anything. I watered it and it just sucked all the water straight up. And I was like. Beautiful. Yeah. They hit a home run. It, it is expensive. It absolutely is expensive. But it's like anything you get what you pay for. Yeah. If you're growing, uh, you know, spider plants and, and pothos and, you know, even a monstera, they're going to be fine in a potting soil. Mm -hmm. A potting soil blend is amazing. These, these companies know what they're doing. Yeah. They're not in the business they're in and they're not as successful as they are by coming up with a soil that kills your plants. Yeah. And I mean, you even said the name of the game is to try to simulate their natural environment as much yep. as possible. So if you're repotting a cactus and you use a cactus soil, that's going to be the closest yep. to wherever your cacti would be originally from. Exactly. And 
If you if you really want to, you know, t- talk to us, you know, read what other people have done. I'm pretty sure we built a cactus blend on a webinar or, or, or again, GA Kids TV. I can't remember. Uh, and we used a topsoil and we put in sand and we put in perlite. I can't remember all the ingredients off the top of my head. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was also a lot of mess. Yeah. And I'm buying three different things to do it where I could have just lifted that bag off the shelf. Yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with making your own blend. Like anything, uh, if you know how to make something, you can probably make it better than you can buy it from a store. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I prefer the desserts I make rather than buying store-bought. I know the ingredients. I know there's no preservatives in them. They taste better. Nom, nom, nom. Like Jenny taking pictures, way better than any picture you're going to see in, you know, some store where you're buying a picture frame. That's her profession. This is what we do. It's the same with uh, planting. If you want the very, very, very best, absolutely build your own. Most of the time you don't need it. Buy the potting soil and use that. That's the vast majority of what I do is that. Though, again, I do have to say I always supercharge mine a little. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm never going to not put worm castings in. I went a long time where I was like, ah, worm casting, snake oil. We don't need that. I will never plant again without them. Yeah. I always have worm castings at my home now. Well, and if you think about it, you spend all this time and money on your houseplants. So why not give them a good foundation to grow into? And then, then you're mm-hmm. going to see the results. Yep. Now that you got a good soil and, and this time of year too, I know some people, they fertilize all winter. Uh, I don't. Uh, I did fertilize my Christmas cactus when they were blooming. I did a light fertilizer on the fiddle leaf because it is under a grow light constantly. So that is never, it's, it's never actively growing, cranking out new leaves, but it's never fully dormant. So that's on its own little cycle. The rest of my plants, I think, I get, you know what I give them? I give them a... A 50% strength of fertilizer, just a generic, uh, you know, 15, 15, 15 houseplant fertilizer. And then I give them a quick green. And that's just, uh, it's a fertilizer with a high iron content and it develops the green like that so they can photosynthesize easier. Mm. Again, there's not a lot of light. We're using artificial lights. I want them to, to be as green as possible to get that. That's it. That's it. Yep. But now... When I get them all set up and back in their new homes and transplanted and whatnot, I absolutely will start my fertilizer cycle again. And then how long do you go and fertilize for? It's very plant specific. So what I'll probably do now is uh, I probably won't fertilize my Christmas cactus. Mm -hmm. I don't like fertilizing unless it's actively growing, actively blooming. They're probably going to be taking a breather for a bit. The vast majority of them, I'll be starting... Oh my God, we're almost April. I know. Yay, April. But um, I'll start my fertilizer in the next couple of weeks. Once again, they're, they're, they're organized and I'll go up until the time where I'm like, oh, okay, time to gather them in, time to pull them down, uh, make everything safe. So middle of October. I know I have this one plant and I don't actually know what it is because I've never seen it flower. And I never, and I thought, oh, well, if I just leave it as is, I've never really fertilized it. Do you, do you just drop these nuggets on me in the podcast? Like I've never used a heat map before. You're like, haha, I'm going to get a heat map. You're like, my, my plants never bloomed. Am I going to get a fertilizer? Yeah. I, Santa <laughs> Colin? I'm going to make your plant bloom now. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Exactly. A lot of times if, if it's not blooming, um, it could be a couple of things. First thing I would think would be uh, probably the light. Mm. Fertilizers are wonderful. 
I would regard them as an essential. Mm. They're just not the number one essential. Mm-hmm. It's it, like humans. We have essentials. Like we need oxygen. We need food. We need water. We need them in different ratios. We. It doesn't matter how much food mm-hmm. you give somebody if they don't have oxygen. Right. So we've got to find that balance. So if you have a plant that isn't flowering, that should be flowering, a fertilizer could help. It could be a a, a nutrient deficiency. But first thing I would check out is how much light it's getting. And if it's getting all of the correct light, then I'd say, okay, we need to look at fertilizer and soil. Like when was the last time the soil was amended? Is the soil completely depleted? And now it's just kind of permanently dormant and stagnant and just kind of being like, I'm alive, but I'm not really doing anything. Because here's another thing, you can transplant and put the plant back into the same pot. You can transplant to freshen the soil. Mm -hmm. Because I've had plants that have grown nice and slow, they're not root bound, but I know the soil is depleted. I haven't moved them in two years. I've taken them out, put in fresh soil, worm castings, put them back in, Hey, presto, they do amazing. Yeah. And then the next time I transplant them, they do need a bigger pot. But I would say absolutely you should fertilize your house plants because plants outside, they, they, they've got worms in the ground. They've got all the uh, insects running over them and, and pooping and all of, they've got all of the light. And, and another thing, rainwater, it's not even comparable how good rainwater is compared to tap water. Really? Yep. Yeah, you know, this week it was uh, World Watering Day. Oh. Uh, and they were talking about water conservation. Mm-hmm. And remember Catherine who worked here? Yeah. Okay. Catherine had rain barrels, uh, which are absolutely phenomenal. I strongly recommend them. We have our rain barrels with, uh, give them a shout out because they're a nonprofit organization and I love them, Green Calgary. Mm-hmm. And Catherine would gather the rainwater and she would use that to water her houseplants. That's such a smart idea. Yep. I've never thought about catching rainwater for inside. And and she would, at the end of the year, with all the rain, before she put her rain barrel away, she would gather as much as she could and put it in bottles and put it downstairs. And then she would fill her watering cans up. You're not getting the hard minerals and salts that we get in our water. Yeah. It's charged from being in the air. I don't know if you've ever noticed it's, and it's actually now scientifically proven I'm not talking the hailstorms that come with it in Calgary, but when you get a thunderstorm and that rain comes down and the plants after that, they seem supercharged. Yeah. They actually are. The rainwater, when it hits, is actually charged with nitrogen. So you're actually getting a fertilized charge in your water that your plant is absorbing. No way. Meanwhile, we're using water that's filled with minerals. It's a hard water that's coming out of a, you know, water tank. Yeah. And that's what we're feeding our plants. Yeah. It's more than fine. It's hot. You got to use a hose pipe. You got to use your watering can. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying you want to go next level, use that rainwater. I would almost challenge our listeners to try that this year and see if they've noticed a difference and let us know. I, I, I could do that with my spider plants. I have, think I've got 30 or 40 currently propagating at home. Now we just need a rain. Come on. Come on, no more snow. <laughs> so our, our house plants, again, especially over the winter, there's no chance unless you're uh, Catherine, who's a colossal nerd. I'm just kidding. I love Catherine. We love Catherine. Most of us aren't, aren't doing that. Most of us are just filling up from the from the tap. Yeah. We're not buying uh, distilled water. We're not buying that. We just literally go to the tap, fill up the watering can. That's what I do. Vast majority of people I know, that's what they do. Yeah. I know... Absolutely. Uh, People that do the distilled water method, I don't know anybody who does it religiously Mm -hmm. because eventually you will come to a point where you run out 
are you going to get dressed, drive all the way to the store, get it? Or are you going to be like, I'm just going to fill it up from the tap? In Canada, we're so privileged, aren't we, that we could just turn on a tap and water our plants? It's something to consider. It is. You know, I can fill up my watering can and walk around and make sure my plants have enough water. And and I appreciate it. I do. it's, it's, It's something that is, you know... We have the luxury of going to get distilled water for it. Yeah, yeah, And I exactly. recommend it. If, if you can do it, you're not going to get the brown tips on your leaves. You're not going to get, you know, uh, that salt buildup on, on, your, on your plants and, and on, the, on the surface of the soil. You consider what our house plants go through. Most generally, they don't get the right light conditions. Yeah, the number one confusing thing, oh, what does this plant need? Very bright, non-direct light. Almost always. Yeah, and you're like, I don't know what that means Mm -hmm. like where do i put it yeah does that mean i have to move it around the room and it's so hard to nail exactly what it needs so that they're not getting the correct lighting conditions they're getting too much or too little they're not getting any nutrients in their water the soil often depletes because there's no chance it's going to be rejuvenated in the spring and in the fall, all of the leaves and stuff that's breaking down and feeding the soil, no matter how clean we keep it, the insects, everything that's happening. You know, if if you look at a, you know, an inch of soil, a, a cubic inch of soil, the amount of life in there under a uh, under a microscope is phenomenal. The nematodes and everything else that's happening in there, it's, it's ridiculous. Our houseplants don't get that. Mm-hmm. They get a, an excellent potting soil that they're probably going to deplete pretty quick. We go five, six months without Mm -hmm. fertilizing them and they get tap water in not ideal light conditions. And then we go, why is my house plant not thriving? (laughs) (laughs) It's like leftovers on the fifth day. My plants get exactly the time I can afford to give them. And that's it. I throw my lights on timers and I go, okay, the fig tree, the pothos, the snake plant and the spider plant are all getting the exact same amount of light deal with it (laughs) all getting watered on the same day you better learn to adapt and that's what we give our house plants so give your house plants a couple of days out of the year they will massively appreciate it you know we we talked about moving them and what they need but consider the water cycle in the summer in the in the spring summer and fall my plants basically need the same stuff all the time I know exactly how much water. They need a fair amount because they're, they're, they're actively growing and it's warm. At this time of year, it can be all over the place because it's minus 35 outside. We crank the heat. We want to be warm. Well, it's drying the soil out at an alarming rate. Then the next week, it's, you know, how to tell a Canadian, it's only minus 15. So we don't have the heat as high. So now the heat isn't up as much and we're turning it off more often. So they're not drying out the same. So I go to water them and I, that's why I can run into the problem of overwatering Yeah, because I, I go, oh, this is how much it needs. And then I check and I go, oh no, like I've said it before, I've absolutely overwatered plants. I forgot that I watered it. I've dumped in more water when I've yeah. been scatterbrained. Understanding that your plants are going to need that little bit of attention, moving them, checking the water, not fertilizing them. And for the amount that plants give us, for me personally, uh, how much I love my house plants, Two days out of 365 ain't that much. And this week's question of the week comes from Instagram. 
uh, from Harry, who actually saw our giveaway for hemp seeds that we did on the first day of spring and was curious, how do you grow hemp seeds in Alberta? Nice. Okay. When you said it was a question from Harry, I was thinking it was going to be my kidney. He was going to be like, when are you coming home to make my supper? There's more than one person named Harry. Question of the week. (laughs) What's for supper? That's that, I, I, you know what I love that question because I love it because I'm totally biased. I love hemp. It's real easy to grow. I didn't know you could grow it outside. It's wonderful. It's, it's so it's totally legal. It is totally legal in Calgary. Check your local laws before you do it. Different municipalities might have different laws. I mm-hmm. I don't want to say that. I am talking about uh, the municipality of Calgary here. It is it is safe to to grow outside. It's legal to grow outside. Honestly, it doesn't take much. Full sun, lots of water, a general fertilizer if you've got it. The only thing I would recommend is uh, treat it like a tomato. Start your seeds indoors now. Oh. Yeah. I would recommend that. Uh, You absolutely can direct sow outside, but why not give it a jump start? Pollinators love them. Birds love them. A lot of people will will harvest them uh, and grind them up. They're uh, excellent for fiber and, and vitamin B, I believe. There's so much you can do. It is such a diverse plant. Plus, it's just, it's fun. It's beautiful. It's a great plant to grow. And a lot of people aren't doing it. So it's something new and unique. Yeah. And it's just an annual, you know, it's, uh, it's relatively easy to grow. It really is. Just like a sunflower, it is going to need, uh, because it's going to grow very fast and very tall. So full sun if you can. If you have a balcony, absolutely, you can grow it in a pot. That's not a problem. Full sun, lots of water, and I would say a uh, all-purpose fertilizer because it's it, how fast it's growing and what's happening. It's really going to need all of the bases covered. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't focus too much on any one thing. I would go with just your, you know, 20, 20, 20, 15, 15, 15, whatever, whatever the numbers are now. You absolutely can use uh, cannabis nutrients on it, but you don't need to. Uh, that's a very expensive way to fertilize hemp. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to see more hemp growing. That's a big shout out to uh, Jason from Weedpool. Yeah. Gave us those packs of seeds to do a giveaway. And we've been selling a lot. A lot of people are interested in it. And I think that's fantastic. I, I would love to see more hemp growing. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a big plant. So if you're growing tomatoes, uh, you're growing your veggies, uh, you're growing things that you want to be pollinated, this is going to attract pollinators. And it's big, so the pollinators are going to see it. It's fragrant. They're going to find it, and they're going to come into your yard, and they're going to get your other plants. I think I got too excited over that question. Thank you, Harry. (laughs) It's uh, I, I just... I love everything in, you know, the the cannabis, uh, hemp, uh, marijuana. I don't partake personally, but I love the the uses it has in clothing and medicine and supplements and uh, what people are using it for now for treatment for anxieties and depressions. It's it is a fantastic plant, and we need to see more of it out there and more people uh, getting used to it. And yeah, I I'm planning. I think I've got room. 
Okay, I'm lying. I am going to make room and I'm growing five hemp plants this year. Well, Harry, I hope that that helps you out and I hope that you experiment with some hemp this year and let us know how it goes. Send us pictures. Um, And thank you for catching this episode of the Helpful Gardeners podcast. If you do have a question like Harry did, give a comment or idea for a future episode, give us a shout out on our SpeakPipe app over at goldenacre.ca slash podcast. You just click the button right on the website, send us a voice note. You can be anonymous if you prefer. You can also interact with our Tuesday polls and questions on our Instagram channel at Golden Acre Garden. And you can also send us an email uh, at social at goldenacre.ca. All of these will be linked in the show notes below. And join us next week as we head outside into the garden. We're talking about all the things you can do in the garden before even planting a single plant. There's I'm a really lot. excited for that. There's a lot that you could do. Tons. Yeah. Absolutely. Just taking inventory, checking stuff out, deciding on what you need, making a shopping list. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to start getting outdoors. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to show next week. Absolutely. So come hang out with us next Sunday at 8 a.m. Mountain Time on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll see you. Bye, everyone.